Welcome Thrive Community Church. Such a great time to be here with you. It is a new day. It is a new COVID-19 moment. Uh, we're moving through it. I hope you had a wonderful Passover weekend. I really believe that there are powerful things that have happened that we can just stand firm and watch take place from this past Passover. These next 40 days uh, leading into the, the following 10 of Pentecost, they're going to be powerful. I, I just believe it. We've been talking about making history with God, and the whole Passover was, is very important for us to understand how we're making history to, for God, with God. But what does it mean to make history with God? Does that mean to just know more of His testimonies? Does it mean to know more of His Word? Does it mean to hear someone else's testimonies about God? The title of this message is The Last Days, Living the Last Days. And again, if you have any comments, any thoughts, any ideas, anything, amens, hallelujahs, or, or man, you need to step up your game, put those in the comments section. We love it. We just want to create community. We want to get you involved. Uh, we are glad that you're here with us. It doesn't matter. We're here to deliver the gospel, and we're here to serve and worship God with you. So let's get into it. And this happened, where we're going, is the week before Passover. I just didn't want to move past it too fast. There was so much rich content in it. And this is in John 11, talking about making history with God. If we let him alone like this. Now this was Caiaphas, the high priest of the day. We'll explain that in a moment. He was enraged because people were now starting to follow Jesus right here. And it was building. Momentum was building. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. See what he's concerned about the most. Now, remember, Jesus had just gone and resurrected, raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus was in no hurry. He we, took about three days to get over to Mary, to the tomb where Lazarus was in. Mary was his sister. She was upset. Martha was upset. Why didn't you come earlier? And, J and Jesus said, roll back the stone. Lazarus, come forth. And there he did. Everybody saw this and they were just in awe. I mean, wouldn't you be? If you just saw a miracle take place, if you just saw something that God did that was so amazing, would your faith not increase and all of a sudden you might be paying a little bit more attention to God and what He's doing? Well, that could be taking place even right now. And then he goes on, he says, And one of them, Caiaphas, being the high priest that year, said to them, You don't know nothing at all. Nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. Now, he was so concerned about his own well-being. He was so concerned about his own comforts. He was concerned about his security, but he didn't know what he was saying. And this brings about our first point. Our first point is this. Fears leads us to do things our own way. In fact, fear leads us to do things our own way. When our fears are at hand, destruction is near. Caiaphas' motive was to protect his security. He wanted to protect his kingdom. The things that he found comfort in, he had, he had established, his people had established here on earth. He was so 
concerned about protecting what he knew to be right, what he knew to be the way of life. He was so set up and so set on protecting that. He didn't know that the very thing that he was fearing was the very thing that he would in fact initiate. Take it like this. Have you ever, have you ever been in a place where maybe it was a relationship and you, you, you so feared losing that relationship or you so feared something going wrong in that relationship and as a result, you began to try to put more attention and more pressure on that relationship and in doing so, you actually ruined that relationship and you drove the other person away. What happened? You caused the very thing that you didn't want to cause and by doing out of fear, you actually caused the fear that you were concerned about. Or maybe it's a financial decision. Maybe you were going through a difficult season and you thought, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to make this decision. Or maybe you said, well, I don't have enough money anyway. I'm just going to blow what I do have and I don't mind going in debt. You can't squeeze blood from a turnip. And so there's this fear of being in debt and it drives you to go and you find yourself in worse debt. Or you take money out of an investment during a difficult time like when COVID-19 comes out, not knowing that this thing is going to go and the, and the stock market is going to increase. But now your stock that you took your money out of is starting to increase and you're actually lost more money by taking that money out. Fear driven. Fear driving our choices and causing the very effect that we did not want to happen. It happens so much. Or maybe this. This has never happened to me. Maybe you said something you wish you would have never said. Now, now I see I hear people laughing even right now in your living room or wherever you're at. Maybe you said something you wish you never would. And it was on your mind and you were sitting here telling yourself, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. If I say it, it's going to do this. But you just can't help it and you do it anyway. Well, you get the response that you knew was going to take place and you got what you feared the most. So, so that fear leads us to do things our own way. That's number one. And number two, fear leads to betrayal. Fear leads to betrayal. Now, let me break this down because this is all in the same setting. Here we see, uh, here we see Jesus, G, uh, Judas moving forth. But once control sets in from fear, the faith then faith is usually out the window. So once control starts to set in, because fear, control is just an attribute of fear. When we start to try to control the situation, control like Caiaphas was, try to control the outcome of a situation, you see it in your temperament, maybe you get angry, you get anxious, you get worried. All those are pointing to an issue of control. And it all comes from fear. So when fear leads... Fear, sorry, fear leads, it leads to betrayal. Fear leads to betrayal. I'm going to break that down. We first betray our best self. Like you know who the best you is and who the best you, you know you can be and you know God has for you to be. But when fear leads to control, it leads to a self-betrayal. Because we start to cause the very things that we fear the most and that lets ourselves down first. Then we betray those we love. When fear also leads to betrayal, we betray those who are closest to us. Betray those who we really love the most. Caiaphas didn't know that he was actually betraying his own people. 
He didn't know that he was actually betraying not only himself, but the very things that he was afraid of losing. Judas did the very same thing, and he was actually close to Jesus. Judas was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He was one that God gave him. But Judas had his own plans. Judas had his own thoughts. Judas had his own mindset of the way that God's will should work. And so Judas took things into his own hands out of fear and control, and it led to betrayal. Look at this in John 12. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, and Bethany was a city, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, or perfume, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, she must have had some long hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, he's our focus in this, Simon's son, who would betray him, said this, why was this fragrant oil not sold for the hundred denarii? And that, by the way, is a year's wage in that day and given to the poor. This, he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and, he, and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have. Now let me break that down a little bit. I'm going to give you several points, three points through this little, uh, this little uh, parable. Sorry, not a parable, but this passage right here is very important. Because here in the last we see this. You can go back. There in the last one right there says, For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not always have. There's something interesting that I see in the context of this story, this truth that did happen. It is this. There are things that God is often about to do in your life and in my life or in the life of another. And all of a sudden from fear that leads to control and betrayal, we respond or we react or we do or don't do something that's abstract, something that is different than what God is asking us to do, and it causes a different result. It causes something that's outside of God's best for us. It causes something to where Jesus would say, Listen, you can do all those other things anytime you want to, but right now I'm asking you to do some things. You have me with you right now. You won't always have me with you. So there, my voice is speaking to you. But I'm not always speaking to where you can hear me. And you can, you can go and do, but right now, I'm giving you direction to do. Now, here's what we see in this. Is, is Judas didn't care about the poor. He didn't care about the poor. He wanted control. I want you to think about this. Uh, there, was, there was actually times in my life where, where God would give me the strangest of things to do. But I knew it was for an act of, of obedience, an act of really listening and fine-tuning the voice, His voice, in my spirit. 
So before, uh, when I was living in Austin, I remembered walking through the parking lot in the church and the Lord would say, and you think that's so insignificant. Well, the things that seem insignificant to man are great in training to the Lord. And so he, he asked me to pick up some trash. There was some trash in the parking lot and it seemed like the right thing to do, right? Well, that wasn't always my attitude. And so he asked me to pick up some trash. What happened? Out of a, I wrestled with it at first, and then because part of me was humiliated, like, I don't want anybody to see me doing this. So I go, and I pick up the trash, and I have it in my hand, and there I am walking towards the, walking towards the sanctuary. And another guy comes over, and he says, you know what, thank you so much for picking up the trash in the, on the property here. That meant, right there, meant so much to me. I had no idea that this guy was watching, who this gentleman meant a lot to me in mentorship. I had no idea who was watching. That's not why I did it. But God knew what was going on. And not only so, not only did God validate that through another individual, which I didn't even see was watching, but God also showed me, listen, there's things that I'm going to ask you to do that you don't always understand, but I have people in place to bless you. That was this quick lesson that I learned right then in that moment. Now, this took place also several years later. I was working and I, I was in a parking lot and I was washing the parking lot, cleaning the parking lot. And I was actually walking through by a dumpster and the Lord says, I want you to pick up that trash around the dumpster. I'm like, no, I don't have any gloves. I'm like, I'm wrestling with the Lord in this. And this was after the first experience. And so I do. And, and, and I'm, I'm picking it up and I'm like, oh, this is disgusting. It's so nasty. I can't believe I'm doing this. And I'm, and I'm like, I can't. Then I started wrestling with my heart. That's what the Lord asked me to do. Why, why am I disgusted by doing things that the Lord is asking me to do? And he convicted my heart right there. And let me just tell you, because of the series of events that I was going through, it wasn't long that God actually called me into ministry. I mean, moved me into ministry but I think he was, one of the last straws was, am I going to listen to him and be obedient even to the point of something that disgusts me? Huge. But Judas didn't care about the poor. Judas was concerned about control. Judas was more concerned about his own well-being or what he might be missing out. I want to give you another example because oftentimes we do this, we all do this, Back in Honduras, not, not three weeks ago, we were there, and at the end of our trip, there we were. Uh, we hadn't had a lot of time to minister outside of the four walls of the hotel we were in. We did our best to minister. We were ministering to one another. We were ministering to some of the hotel members. We were ministering as a few of the church members were around. But we, it was put on my heart that we bless Pastor Savalas. And so... I had $1,000 of our money, the church, and I said, Pastor Savalas, here, I feel like the Lord is telling us to just bless you with this. Now, not, not 20 minutes later, not 20 minutes later, I get a phone call that I missed. I get an email and a text all coming through that God had moved someone's heart, Marcus Lamb of Daystar Television, and he was giving us $3,000 to cover any bills that we had to get home, any flight needs that we had, everything that we had uh, not budgeted. Marcus Lamb from Daystar, three hours from where, or two hours from where we live, thousand miles from where we were, heard about our situation, 
and within 20 minutes of me giving $1,000 to Pastor Savalas, God returned threefold. Now that's good. But it comes from a heart of obedience and being concerned about what's concerning to God's heart. Maybe God is just asking you to give kindness. Because sometimes it's just an offering of kindness back to someone. Some kind of gift offering, a love offering. Maybe it's even prayer. I remember being in Honduras years ago and I went down. I was asking the Lord, Lord, I, I just want to see somebody healed. I just want to see somebody's life changed towards you by healing, by physical healing that leads to a relationship with you. I, would, I was in our hotel and I went downstairs and I was just asking the Lord, give me somebody, somebody, Lord, somebody. So I go down and I see the uh, parking lot security guard and I go and I'm talking with him and the Lord gives me a word of knowledge and I turn around and say, nope, mm -mm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I was terrified. I, I was terrified. And so I make an excuse. I go over to the car. I had a couple of pieces of pizza because we just got back from dinner. And I said, here, um, here you go. Here is, here's uh, uh, some pizza and I got a Gatorade for you. Here you go. And I'm turning around. I'm going back to the hotel and it just hits me. I want you to go pray for his knee. I want you to go pray for his knee. So I go, and there I turn around. I go back and I talk to him, and I'm asking him conversation. I'm talking with him. I'm trying to just beat around the bush. I said, you know, his name was Maximus. Really cool name. I said, Maximus in Spanish. Is there anything wrong with your knee? Has there been something going on with your knee? He goes, yeah, man, I've had trouble standing, and I have trouble working because of my knees. And I said, I felt like the Lord said to come and pray for your knee. It's, is that okay if I do that? He goes, yes. So I said, I pray for his knees. I pray that God heal his knees. He said he could feel the presence of God on his body. I asked him if he goes to church anywhere. He says, yes, he hasn't been able to get to church. I said, I really feel like the Lord is, is healing you because he is wanting to reestablish that intimacy with you. He starts jumping up and down and he's bending his knees like never before. And he's like, they're healed, they're healed, they're healed. And so it, it's just that radical heart for what God cares for. What God's heart is, that's what He wants us to carry right there. But Judas didn't care about the poor. He was concerned about what he might be missing out rather than what he might be giving to another. Judas sounds practical in this situation as well. And when it comes to generosity, the inner Judas will always try to appear practical or prudent always reason things away. And Judas was so self-focused. He didn't have the faith to see Jesus fulfill things that Jesus said would be done. In his mindset, he, he wanted to reason everything away. Well, we, sh we shouldn't be gifts. She shouldn't have done that. She should have sold that and given that to the poor. He didn't care about the poor. He wanted to control because he wanted it to end up in his pocket. In fact, he goes and sells Jesus because he didn't really be believe Jesus was who Jesus said he was. He had no faith. Why did he have no faith? He was so afraid that he might not get what he wanted. Control led him. He betrayed himself and he betrayed others around him, especially Jesus, because what was going on inside of him couldn't and wouldn't allow him to have the faith to see Jesus fulfill on the cross what he and the scriptures said would happen. So, Jesus, so Judas took care of himself. It says this in John 12, 5, It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. He don't care about the poor. 
Then Judas, also Judas was a thief. Judas was a thief. John 12, 6 said this, Not that he cared for the poor, he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Did you know that God puts you and I in charge of his money? And what he says is, I'm going to give you according to how you steward. And in fact, in Joshua 7 and Malachi 3, if we don't bring back to what belongs to God, what belongs to God to him, he calls us a thief. God himself. He says, listen, I'm giving you this to steward my way. But if you're going to do what you want your way and betray yourself and others, you're not going to grow and increase. He literally, right there, in Joshua 7 and Malachi 3, calls us a thief. Look it up for yourself. In Matthew 23, 23, Jesus says this to the Pharisees. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you religious people. That's not in your notes. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. Well, here's what he says. These you ought to have done. He says you should have given justice and mercy and faith without leaving the others undone. You give justice and mercy and faith in the same way you bring back to God what belongs to Him. That is fulfilling the will and the word of God when it comes to this area and struggling with the Judas within, especially when, there come, when it comes to faith moments and God wanting to stretch you in areas of faith and understanding what He can do in your life, especially through seasons just like this. And then number three, your fears placed in the hands of God put you in His will. Your fears placed in the hands of God put you in God's will. There's no better place than this. John, John 11, 51, we're going to go back. This was right before the Caiaphas incident. I'm sorry, right after the Caiaphas incident. John 11, 51, 52 says this. Now this he, he did not say on his own authority. Remember Caiaphas said, it is more expedient that one person die for you, one man die for you, than the whole nation be lost. Now this he did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. He didn't know that he was saying, if this man doesn't die, the whole nation will be lost. He had no clue. His fears, though, let's think about from the faithful side of this situation, not from Caiaphas' side. His fears for the faithful put into the hands of God produced the will of God. And then it says this in verse 52, And not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. Look at it. He would gather Jesus would gather together in one unity 
This is Jesus' desire right here, and He's using His voice and His word to prompt us and lead us in challenging moments to get the Judas Iscariot outside of us, to let go of fear and let go of control and let go of betrayal, self-betrayal and betrayal of others, to gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. That's you and I. You and I were scattered abroad even before we existed. Jesus had sheep that were not in his, this pasture that were around the world. And that was you and I that Jesus was talking about. That is powerful. That is extremely powerful. And here's Jesus modeling how to wrestle your, with your soul and flesh and yield it to God's will right here. Check out Luke twenty-two forty-one. It says, And he was withdrawn. From them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed. Verse 42 says, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. If it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. Be done. Wow. What we, could, what we could get accomplished, what we could accomplish if we, in that moment of selfishness and self-betrayal and, and Judas moment, what we, could, what we could really accomplish with the Lord if we just worked this out. Not my will, but your will be done. This, this applies to every area of life. Difficult business situations, decisions, marriage relationships, marriage decisions, parenting issues, finances. Not my will, but your will be done, Father. Those people uh, who, who are most difficult to love in those situations, with the, those whether they're in the church or out, the church, out of the church, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus' lifestyle caused the most difficult people to pursue Him. Here John 12, 20 says this, Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Listen, Greeks, that's not normal. They had heard about his reputation and they wanted to know who this miracle-working man was. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and, and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Mostly assuredly, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. Talking about his soul, his suke, his soul. He who loves his soul will lose it. And he who hates his soul, his life, in this world will keep it for eternal life. This hate means to, to love less. He who loves less his soul. Verse 26 says, if anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my father, will honor him. And there's no greater honor than to be received with the Father in heaven. But Jesus gives us the prescription. 
He prescribes us how to do this. Jesus says there are some steps, though. Number one is you got to die to yourself. you got to love your soul less than you love God. you got to be steadfast. And then serve His ways over your own. It's a simple prescription. But it's complicated to live out. It's, it's simple. But man, it's complicated. How can it be simple and complicated? Well, it's right there. All you got to do is that. The complications is getting rid of that Judas on the inside. So we can make history with God. We don't want the type of history that Judas made. John 18, 35 says this. This was when he was before Pilate. He, Pilate answered him and said, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? What have you done to, to make everybody so mad? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. This is very power, this is powerful. So that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom, my kingdom is not from here. And that's something that we have to grasp. He said, my, my kingdom is not of this world. And if it were of this world, my people would fight. They would fight to keep me. But this is not my kingdom. And that's how, that's how you and I are called to live. Live from a mentality, this is not our kingdom. We come from a different kingdom. We are ambassadors here making history with God, establishing His will through humbly serving Him, dying to self, doing it His way, taking on every challenge. Every time it's, it's an opportunity to give, we're giving of self, we're giving of finances, we're giving of kindness, we're giving, we're doing. We're saying, yes, Lord. That's what He's looking for. And when you spend time with Jesus, making history just becomes a byproduct. You no longer see things from the world's perspective. Yeah, you may be in this world, but you're not seeing and reasoning, and you're not thinking from the same perspective and thought, thought stance and mannerisms and ways of culture. You're hearing things and you're like, why are people so upset? Why are, they, why are they not full of joy? Why do they not see the things that God's Word, His written Word, actually speak about in this? Why are they not understanding that these are the things, these things should go on before Jesus comes? These things, there is a way out of this thing for us. In fact, we've already been given a way out of this thing. We should be thinking from a completely different mindset because my kingdom is not from here. And your kingdom is not from here. Judas and Caiaphas were concerned about their kingdom. And they would do anything to protect it. Got to think about that. There's three truths that Jesus gives us. Because when you begin to see every moment as a faith moment, you will grow exponentially in His ways. Three truths to making history are this. Search His ways, trust His ways, and apply His ways. I want to pray for you because I know these are seemingly difficult, but in reality, 
It's just letting go of self, letting go of the betrayal, letting go of fear, letting go of control, and trusting that God's will is much greater than our will. And the things that He wants to do in us and through us have a greater produce and product than what we, you and I, could ever manufacture by living out of our fears and trying to do this whole thing called life our own way. That's how we begin to make history with God. So right there where you're at, I want to pray with you. I want to pray over you. If you will, just get in that place where you know you're with the Lord. And I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you that your will is greater than ours. And we want your ways. Thank you that your ways are greater than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And Father, we lift you up and we, we yield ourselves unto you so that you may be magnified, you may be glorified. Lord, we give you every bit of us. And we just ask for grace upon grace. Lord, we want to we make you known to all the earth. And we just ask that you use us to move your kingdom forward. We thank you for the season that we are in. And we're, we thank you for what we're able to go through and make history with you. Let us not miss this moment to see you glorified through this Passover season so that the world will be rocked and they will be confessing that Jesus is Lord the very way that your word says that this whole thing will turn out. And we just pray for you today. If you've never come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can click on the button down low. You can go into the comments section and let us know I'm ready to give my life to Christ. You can go and join in a prayer chat. You can click on Stay Connected. Send in a, a prayer request. Let us know what's going on. We'd love to help walk you through knowing Christ and coming to know Him as your Lord and Savior. But you could do it right there. So Father, I just thank You so much for those who are watching and those who are pursuing You through this time. And I just pray for grace. I pray that You give them strength to yield and to bow their need to Your ways, Your truth, and Your will for their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Guys, we thank you so much. I want to meet you here next week as well. We'll be connecting throughout our devotions during the week. I want to hope you have an amazing week. We'll see you again soon. God bless.